Welcome to the podcast of Covenant Life Church in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We'd love for you to join us if you're in the area on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. We hope that you enjoy this message from Pastor Robert Floyd. Hallelujah. Well, amen, huh? It's good to know you're not the only one with problems, huh? I've been through stuff. And so uh, just to kind of recap this morning uh, about picture perfect and being unfiltered is, you know, last week I just kind of touched on the fact that the world uh, inundates us with a picture of what they say uh, life should look like, whether it's just your life as an individual, your life as far as your married life, you know, husband and wife, the marriage, what it should look like for your kids, um, you know, the world has their perspective. Not only do you have the world's perspective, but you have your experience. You know, it was really good because they were talking about how they grew up, and, and Kevin didn't grow up with a father. You know, so he had a, he, he had a image that could have been there as far as not having a father. That's still an image that he would have to overcome in his life to be able to find out as far as living life and who he's supposed to be. Jackie's talking about not being in a place where her you know, parents weren't saved until she was in college. So she didn't necessarily grow up in a household that was saved and going to church and doing those things. And so, you know, whether it was a good image or whether it was a bad image, doesn't matter. We still have images that we have to deal with. And, and, and the, the thing in life is that you're going to have to make a decision. And that decision's going to be, am I going to let the world dictate the image is of my life and who I am and who I'm called to be and what my marriage should be, uh, what my family should be, or am I going to let my past experience be the one that declares that, or am I going to let God's word be what shapes and frames the image of my life and what it should be? You know, I was reading a book. I, I uh, had to travel back to Shreveport the last couple of days. We had a, a good friend go home to be with the Lord, and so we had to travel back. So I was just reading a, a book on the plane, and it was a book that was talking about uh, discipleship, basically. But they were the, the author was talking about how we want Jesus to be our Savior, but we don't necessarily want him to be, uh, we don't always necessarily want to be discipled. In other words, I want the benefits of salvation without the responsibility of being a disciple. I want the benefits of salvation without the responsibility of the word actually dictating and changing and transforming my life. And so the word of God is going to be your picture. It's going to be the blessed picture. It's going to be the picture where God's hand is working to bring forth his best in whatever it is, whether it's your life individually, whether you are single as far as you've never been married, maybe you're a widow, maybe you're divorced, or you know whatever the case. Um, but his image is going to produce his best in your life. And if you are not willing to dig in and find out what that is, and if you're not willing to appropriate that uh, or put that to work in your life, then you're always going to be stuck with what's left. And I'm going to tell you right now, my image, your image, the image of the world doesn't work. The only image that's going to work is what's in God's word. It's what God's word is speaking, what God is telling us. And so we talked about from the beginning uh, since the fall of man, since the transgression in the garden, that man's been trying to carve his own images. 
that, that once that transgression happened, that they lost the image of who they were supposed to be. The Bible says they became, they, they realized and recognized that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves to try and cover themselves. But that wasn't God's best. And, you know, many times we spend a lifetime trying to present the image that we think people want to see or present the image that we think looks good to others about what, what we're trying to be, who we're trying to be, instead of letting God transform us and let him be the image in our life. As Kevin was saying, they had to begin to look at who am I in Christ Jesus. You know, I remember as a, as a young teenager, you know, well, 11, 12 not quite 13, so really uh, before I was quite a teenager. <laughs> you know, back then, this will date me a little bit, but the cool thing at that time, uh, how many of you remember the members-only jackets? A few of you, those of you that are older. Um, I remember, you know, going to school in middle school and, uh, you know, going and, and, and I had this one friend that he always had the coolest stuff. He always had the latest. So he's, uh, he's in his members-only jacket, you know, and, and he's in, in his uh, Levi jeans, you know, and, and I'm in my no-name jacket and my tough skin jeans. Anybody ever remember tough skin jeans, you know, with all the patches we used to, mom used to put on the knees? And so, but I was always trying to measure up to this image. You know, so much so, so funny. And uh, we, we, we laugh about it today. But my sister would actually would go and uh, when Izod was really popular and my sister would would, would, would uh, find Izod shirts and she would cut the alligator off and sew them onto the shirts that weren't Izod so that it looked like that's what she was wearing. <laughs> you know, and the links we can go to present this image. And we do it also, we do it in the church. When we bring this image to church of what we think everybody else needs to see in order to present something that maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Instead of me letting God really transform my life to being the person that he wants me to be and realizing that I'm never going to be perfect in this world. I'm perfect in Christ, but I'm not going to be perfect in this world. I'm going to have flaws. I'm going to have struggles. I'm going to have things. You know, uh, uh, they didn't play the part about the open face roast beef sandwich. It's on Facebook. So if you haven't seen it, you got to go see that part. Uh, about the open roast beef sandwich. We still have things that we deal with as far as in the process of life. And so the more we look into the word of God and find out what God's word says, the more we can make sure that we're putting on the correct image. So 2 Corinthians 3.18. In the New Living Translation it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The Bible says that as we walk with God in Christ, we walk in the Spirit, we're, we're being changed into his image. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. But that has to be something that you and I are intentional about. It has to be something that we're doing on purpose. And so... When we begin to look at that, 
and, and, and begin to make that a priority in our life, then we're going to begin to find out that it'll help us in all the other relationships and all the other areas that we have in life as far as our, our just um, us individually, our marriage, our family, our job, church, whatever it is, we begin to have an image and a foundation for what God wants us to look like. So if I'm going to have a strong marriage, if I'm going to have a strong family unit, as far as being a father, mother, if I'm going to be a strong member of the body of Christ. You know, in other words, I talked last week about we are family, that as a whole, we're family. I encourage, if you didn't hear it, the podcast is up. You can go to the podcast and get last week's message. But we are family because of the blood. We are family because of the word. We are family because of the spirit. We're not family because of culture. We're not family just because of natural things. We're not family just because we rally around the same thing. We are the family of God because of the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and the spirit of God. And so if we want to have right relationships in our life, then what we have to do is be willing to live a life that's right before him. I've got to find out what God's correct image is of me. See, I can't fix my marriage unless God's fixing me. I can't fix my family if God's not fixing me. I can't fix my walk and my relationship in the church if God's not fixing me. So many times we're putting off and say, well, it's their fault. It's, it's your fault. Well, if you would just, if they would just, if, if this person would just, and we put that off on other people and, and make it their responsibility instead of realizing that the only thing I have control over, the only thing I really have the ability to change and impact as far as on a regular daily basis is me. It's me. And if I don't have a right image of me in Christ Jesus, then I can't be the right image of what a husband is. I can't be the full correct image of what a father is. I can't be the correct image of what it is to be part of a, a church, to be a, a, a member of, of the family of God. And so there'll always be a, a, a struggle and there'll always be a dysfunction there. And what you have is, is even in the church, um, but we're doing it now in marriage. It's like we get married to try it out, and if I just don't like it, then I'm just going to move on to the next person. Like it's the marriage's fault. It isn't the marriage's fault. It's not the marriage covenant that's the problem. I don't care who you're married to, it's going to be work. Now, I'm not a lot of work to be married to, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a lot of work. <laughs> you agree, don't you? Um, as far as for you, I know, I know why you're waving your hand. Kathy would beg to differ on that one, I know. Um, but it, in other words, it's, it's, it's in our marriages, it's in our culture, it's on my job. I don't like my job, so I'm not going to show up anymore. And then the grass is always greener on the other side. The problem is, is we don't tend to the grass, so the grass always ends up brown. And you end up where you're always, it's like it's always the grass's fault. No, it's your fault because you don't tend it. And it's, you know, so I have to take responsibility and say, you know what? Okay, I, I realize I need to begin to see what does God say about me? 
What does he say about me first of who I am in Christ? What does he say first about who I am as a child of God? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. And old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you did it with all your heart, you did it in faith, you did it with all your heart, you were made fresh and new. The past is gone. That old person is dead. That old way of living is gone. It doesn't mean that we don't have times when we're challenged in that, but the Bible says you're recreated. You've been born anew. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so if you aren't born again and you aren't saved, then you have no way to be made in the image of Christ except through salvation. And you can go to church all you want. You can try to be spiritual all you want. You can know all the philosophies and all the religions of the world, but you'll never be truly transformed because the only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. So if you want a God marriage and you want a God life, you want God's God's best. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you want that, you have to be born again. You have to be saved. Amen. That's the only way that you can enter into that life. If I don't know what I'm supposed to look like, if I don't have that right image, then I can't become who I'm supposed to be. You see what I'm saying? I can't become the person he's called me to be. If I'm not becoming who I'm supposed to be, then my marriage and my family will not become what it should be. If I'm not becoming who I'm supposed to be, then my family and my marriage will not become what it should be. It'll always be just a shadow. It'll always be a reflection of my past, my experience, or of this world's system but it cannot become what God wants it to be. And that's part of the issue. Ephesians uh, 2.10 says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may what? Do those good works which God planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life with which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated, born anew in Christ. What? That we might do the good works, that we might become the people that we're called to be. See, transformation and change, but it's based on who I am in Christ. It's based on being a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's, it, we've got it backwards. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make our marriage and make our family look right without being right. And if you're trying to make your life look right without being right, then your marriage will only be something you can try and make look right, and it won't be right. Your kids, you try to make that family unit look right, and it won't be right. And then even in the church, you'll try to make yourself look right, but it won't ever be right. It's got to be right from the inside out. We're transformed from the inside out. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of who I am in Christ. It's not just what I can look like on the outside. And many times we've turned it up backwards because we started backwards. 
Even as a Christian, whenever I met my wife in church, in youth group, I remember the day walking in, I could tell you where she was sitting, and I remember meeting her in youth. But our relationship didn't start off right. It started off backwards. It started off with a more it started off with a physical attraction and a physical element, and that's all I'll say. But if we hadn't have made the shift and said, you know what, we can't build our relationship on this, because if we do, it's gonna be backwards. We have to go back and say, God's got to be first. God's got to be the middle of it. God's got to be the builder of it. If we don't go back and change that, then we, it won't be what it's supposed to be. And no, we weren't perfect at it, but we made the adjustments. And we moved from being a physical and just a soulish relationship to being a godly relationship, serving God together and, 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 and moving forward in God together. Amen. And so maybe you're, you could be married today and your marriage started off that way and didn't necessarily start off with Jesus. In other words, there's hope and there's a way to turn those things around. There's a way to change those things in our life, but you have to recognize that it must be done. And you have to be willing to do what that takes. You have to be willing to make those adjustments. You have to be willing to, to say, okay, we're going to put God back in the middle of, of where he's supposed to be. And, and, and this Kevin, he said it great, talking about even just cultural things. I told you, I love culture. I'm not against it. But when culture violates the word of God, it violates the word of God. I don't care where the culture comes from. Amen. Doesn't matter. If it violates and is contrary to the word of God, then you have to choose. I'm going to choose culture or I'm going to choose the word of God. I'm going to choose the way I was brought up or I'm going to choose the word of God. I'm going to choose what society says or I'm going to choose the word of God. I'm always brought to a decision. And no decision is a decision. So you and I just not say, well, I'm just not ready yet. I understand that, but you've, you made a decision. I decided I'm not going to serve the Lord yet. That's a decision. And every decision has consequences. Every decision has a response. But when we make God decisions, then it invites God into our life to help us to be who we're supposed to be. So y'all come right here. I just want you to come for a minute. Stand right here. Kevin, Jackie, Jada, and Maya. I'm picking on them a little bit this morning. They're the ones we did the video about. Amen. They're an awesome family. They do serve God now. And amen. I got to give them, say that. They love the Lord with all their heart. Amen. But God created the family. This isn't man's creation. It's not man's idea. And God created it. And God set principles and God set parameters for the family in order to be a successful family. I don't care if you like it or not. Amen. I don't mean that wrong, but I can like or not like what God says in his word, but it doesn't change his word. And because I don't like something doesn't mean that God's going to change. God will not deviate from his word. So if you are not liking something that God says in his word, you need to get the core, get to the core or the root of that so that that can change. Because if it doesn't change, then you'll never walk in the blessing that comes along with his word. 
And you end up being one of those that you know all the, all the blessing phrases. Amen. I'm blessed and highly favored. And you are. Amen. But if that's just a phrase, see what I'm saying? Uh, is it a reality? You know what I'm saying? I hear people say that and their life is always in turmoil. And that doesn't always mean that you're doing something right. Sometimes it can. Amen. But if you constantly live and you're not seeing the promises of God come to pass, then you have to kind of take a, a checkup and make sure that I'm, I'm living for God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen. I'm not saying that problems are an indication that you're doing something wrong. I'm just saying if it's, that's <laughs> your whole life is always a problem, then you're not blessed and highly favored. Amen. You're not walking in it. So anyway. I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens on that, but that's okay. So from the word of God, I'm just going to highlight this this morning. But from the word of God, the Bible talks about husbands. If you're a husband, raise your hand. Now, I'm not going to fuss at you this morning, okay? So you can acknowledge that I'm going to get you to squirm this morning, but I want you to understand something. When the Bible talks about the husbands and the word of God, it says in 1 Peter 3, well, actually, let's go to Ephesians 5, 25, because this is the one the husbands like to, they like to quote. So we're going to quote it. Amen. We're just going to hit the highlights. So, so this morning, we're talking about Kevin. We're talking about the husband. All right? So it says, husbands, well, Hold on, let's go back because we, we better start from the beginning. Verse 22, here we go. This is the one the husbands throw out, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Isn't that right? Don't raise your hand, wives. But for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So, from Scripture, and this is one that the world hates, okay? If you go by the world system, the world hates this Scripture as far as, as, far as wives being subject to their husband or coming up under that authority. The Bible says for wives to submit to their husbands, Right? That submission is not a hierarchy of the husband's better than you. It's not a hierarchy of whatever he says goes, no matter whether you like it or not. What it is, is God's given the husband, the head, the place of authority over his home. So what that means to the husband is, is that doesn't give you just the authority to tell everybody what to do. It gives you the responsibility to bear to show everybody else how they should do it. 
It's your responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your home. That means you lead in study of the word. You lead in prayer. You lead in worship. You lead in being in church and doing what God's called you to do. In other words, you lead in those areas. It's not this thing where you get to sit back and say, bring me another beer, you know, kind of thing. That's not the authority we're talking about. That is a misuse of authority. It means that you lead your wife, first of all, in a godly spiritual union. That means you don't pervert things. That means you don't pervert the marriage bed. That means that you honor God in what you're doing and you set that standard and you lead in that. Where families are falling apart, our marriages are falling apart because our men, our husbands, or our men have been lied to. And they've been brought a false identity and false image of who they're supposed to be. I'm not saying that there aren't men that have, plenty of men have violated that authority. But it doesn't change it. Amen. And so as the head of this house, Kevin is the spiritual head and responsibility for his wife and for his children. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to the wives in a minute. I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't have any role, okay? But what I want you to understand, when I counsel marriages, this, this, the husband, the man, he's the one that gets the brunt of it because he's the one responsible. It doesn't mean there's no responsibility for the wife, but if the husband will do what he's supposed to do and be the man that he's supposed to do, nine times out of ten, the family will be what it's supposed to be. If daddy's right, the family's right. And that's most of the time. I can't say it's all the time, but it's most of the time. And so it's important to understand and recognize and see that perspective because there's more to it than just having this I'm the king of my castle mentality. Jesus said for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the body. It says he's the savior of the body. Jesus laid down his life for the church. So husbands, you're not there to be served. You're there to serve. You're there to serve. You're there to pour in. You're there to lead the way. That's what a husband is. That's my responsibility with my wife and my children. My wife does not have a problem submitting when it comes to those things because I have done my best to walk in the way that I'm supposed to. I've not been perfect at it. Amen. Nobody has. But when you live, they're, they're, I've talked to so many wives over the years that are begging for their husbands to step up and want their husbands to lead. And, and, and not just to tell everybody what to do, but to step up and lead spiritually. Listen, husbands, there's a grace, there's a, the power of God is available to you to do that. God is not expecting you to do that in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability. See, God's not expecting something out of you that you can't provide. He's the source behind that. Amen. 
And, and again, I don't have time to go in super deep. The Bible says that husbands are supposed to honor their wives. The Bible says as the weaker vessel. All that means is that physically, the wife, nine times out of ten, I'm not going to say always, is the physically weaker vessel. That's all that means. It doesn't mean that you're less it doesn't mean that you're not as good. It doesn't mean you're not as valuable. You're not as important. It does not mean that. All it means is that by tradition, by normal things, the wife is the, the physically weaker person. That's all it means. But the Bible says that the husband is supposed to show honor to her. It means he's supposed to esteem her. Husbands, if you don't like, if you're struggling, if you don't like the relationship, if you don't like some things in your marriage, then you need to get in and quit blaming your wife and begin to find out who you're supposed to be. And you begin to step up and be that. And you're not going to be perfect at it. It's okay. But you need to make steps and begin to say, okay, God, help me with this. The Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to them. Whenever we talk about things, we make decisions, we pray together, we talk about it, but at the end of the day, she will always defer to me as the head of the house. If we want directions and we're driving in the car to go somewhere, she does not always defer to me. <laughs> Normally, she has a better way. You see what I'm saying? Normally, she has, y'all can relate, can't you? Yeah, we heard that. I heard that. I heard that on the thing. You know, so this is not a, in everything, I'm like, I get to make the, we pray and I listen and I say, baby, what do you think? What's God telling you? But at the end of the day, when we decided to come here, at the end of the day, she said, she said, she said, baby, it's up to you. What does God say? And when I made the decision, this is, this is right, she was in agreement. She said, I have a peace about it. If she would have said, I don't have a peace about it, I don't care what I thought, I would shut it down. See, because I have a respect and an honor for my wife, and you're going to find out that spiritually we are on the same level. In other words, I'm not better than her. It's not a better than. It's a role. It's a position in the kingdom. Just like in the kingdom there's authority and as the pastor, I'm the authority over this congregation, but it's not because I'm better than anybody. It's because that's what the role of what my calling is, that's what is required of me. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. And so wives, it says to submit to your husbands. Husbands, if you'll love your wives unconditionally the way that Christ loved the church, then nine times out of ten, they won't have a problem submitting to that. But if you just walk in and say, I'm the one that wears the pants in these family, you're going to find out, you know, that, that no, you don't. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, and what, when, a, when the husband does not walk in his place spiritually, but yet wants to be the head of his home, what he has to resort to is he has to lead out of fear. That means he has to lead by the words of his mouth, threatening, being harsh, being degrading, or even further than that, he has to lead by physical abuse. 
And I'll tell you right now, wives, you don't have to stay in that. You're not bound by the word to be physically abused. And I can just tell you right now, husbands, if any wife comes to me and says that their husband is legitimately physically abusing them, I'll send you to jail in a heartbeat. You see what I'm saying? I don't have a problem requiring and standing when it comes to that. that that's not part of who we are as Christians. Amen? But when we, do, when we do right, I don't have to get up and scream and yell or threaten or try to be something to lead my family. I have authority in my home, but it's because I walk in the authority that God's given me. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean my kids always do what's right. Amen. But you don't always do what's right when it comes to God, do you? Amen. So don't judge, right? Amen. <laughs> You can tell I've been a pastor for a while and my kids have been in church for a while. Amen? That's one thing they don't have to fear is the judgment of people because I won't allow that. Amen? Anyway, that's a side note. So, the wives, it says subject to the husbands and to submit to them. And the Bible says that the husbands are supposed to love their wives. And so... Without being able to go much further in that this morning, I want you to understand that the Bible says that when you get married and we come, when we got married and we came together in the, the union of marriage, then we, the Bible says, became one flesh. And the Bible says that a man doesn't hate his own flesh. And so I have to treat her as though she's my own flesh. She is. The Bible, matter of fact, says so much so that her body belongs to me and my body belongs to her. But if you look into the world today, they don't, they don't say that. Everything is everything's mine. Everything's mine. But that's not necessarily scriptural. Now, it's not mine to, to abuse. You see what I'm saying? Everything's in the context of righteousness, not in the context of whatever I want to do. Do you understand the difference? Amen. So, as a husband, that's what he's responsible to do. As a wife, that's not it. But this union between the husband and the wife is so strong and so powerful. It's the most powerful spiritual union there is. Because they are married, they are in a covenant with one another, and there is, you know, they're able to accomplish and do. When you, as a husband and wife, can believe God together and stand together, there's nothing that can stand in your way. There's something powerful. So much so that the Bible says that the believing wife, if there's a believing wife and an unbelieving husband, that the marriage is still sanctified unto God. What does that mean? It's still set apart to him. It's still holy to him. And vice versa. That God sees it because they're one flesh. They're one together. He sees it that way. There's nothing like a praying wife or praying husband for one another, or praying family. If your husband and your wife is not serving God, God hears your prayers and you have authority to pray and believe God for them. Amen. The next one is fathers. I'm just going to run through these quickly. 1 John 2, 14, it says, I have written to you, fathers. It says, because you have known him who is from the beginning. He says, I've written to you. I'm talking to you. We have a heavenly father. Even though Kevin may not have had an example of an earthly father, he's got a heavenly father. And the other thing is, is that God will bring spiritual fathers into his life. 
It's not just natural. And God will put spiritual men in his life to speak into his life and to be a father to him. And God will do that for you. God will do it for you as a wife. He'll bring mothers and fathers because maybe you don't have a great example, but God will answer that and he'll bring an example to you. Amen. One thing I wanted to touch on for fathers in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. If you look in the word of God, nine times out of 10, as far as instruction and bringing our kids up is gonna come and he makes the father responsible for it. Again, if daddy's right, then the family will be right. I know that's just kind of a blanket statement. There are exceptions, okay? But fathers, you're responsible that you're the head of the house. You're responsible for your children. Not to exasperate them, not to frustrate them by, by yelling and screaming and being just overly hard on them doesn't mean you don't have authority. It doesn't mean you don't discipline them. It doesn't mean those things, but it means that you train them and you equip them and you teach them in the way that they should go. And part of that is you lead them and you don't just tell them. We don't just tell our kids to go to church. We bring them. We don't tell our kids to pray. We pray with them. There's a difference. Mothers, 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Timothy's heritage of faith came from his mother, didn't come from his dad. Timothy, in the word of God, his heritage came from his mother. There was faith there. Mothers, you have an impact on your children. You have a say. You get to be part of that training. You get to be part of that equipping. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, my mom would say, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and, and that was the truth. <laughs> and when he got home, it was on. You know? Amen. Children, I'm going to move on. Children, the Bible says to obey your parents and the Lord, and it says to honor your mother and father. I know we, you know we have some youth in here. These two right here, if daddy's doing right, then mama should be right. This should be right. And then therefore, they're able to obey them in the Lord. They should honor and obey regardless, but there's something about when we're doing it and it's in the Lord and it's through the authority that we have in Christ as mom and dad and we're instilling principles into our children. And we live in a time right now where our young people are being brought up and they're saying, I ain't listening to you. <laughs> it don't take much to go very far and get around some, some teenagers in college age. I don't care how old you are. That respect and honor is not there because they weren't taught it. Now let me just say this about parents and the influence you have. Whatever the parents tolerate, the kids will participate and they'll participate in excess. They take it to the next level. 
you fight, you do stuff, it'll be brought into their home potentially unless something changes. But if they follow the normal course, they're going to take what you did and they're gonna, it's going to be multiplied in their life. You sit around and you're critical of your church, you're critical of your pastor, you're critical of your leadership, they're going to take it to excess. And they probably won't even be in church. You see what I'm saying? What we do as parents affects our children. Not just what you say, but what you do affects them and impacts their life. And I, I mean, I could take that in a whole lot of ways this morning, and I won't do that. But whatever you do in your life as a couple, as a husband and wife, or as a father and mother, whatever you participate and tolerate, your kids will do in excess. And I've been around long enough to watch that. And it's not just because it's a natural thing, it's a spiritual thing. And the enemy uses it as an opportunity and an inroad. And they'll say, well, if mom and dad did that, then I can do that. And that's their starting point. See, your starting point may have been the word or been a more strict environment. Their starting point is a more relaxed environment. Now, let me just flip this on the other side real quick. And that is, is that if you think that you are going to keep and protect your kids all the way through and you never teach them to make decisions for themselves, then when they hit 18, they're going to go ballistic. And I've watched it. I don't care if you're in school. I don't care if it's homeschool. I don't care if it's Christian school. I don't care what it is. But if your environment is based on fear of them going to make a mistake, they're going to mess up, they can't make decisions, they don't need to know about that, then what happens is, is when they turn 18, all their friends are telling them everything they weren't told, or most of the time they already know, and you just failed to address it. Amen. So we need to pay attention and be careful of those things in our life that, that my kids, I've given them boundaries and guardrails. But I've had to let them make some decisions. I don't let them make dumb like decisions that would wreck their life. Amen. But I've had to give them guardrails and say, you've got framework within here. And if they come and say, well, what, well let's talk about it. What does the word say? What's God say about this? You see what I'm saying? And give them context so that they can make a godly decision because when they are out of my house, uh, you know, uh, eventually I guess all mine will be out of my house. <laughs> the twins are graduating this year. I got one going to college and, you know, uh, the other. I mean, they're all moving forward in life. But I want them to, to know and I want them to have been able to make mistakes while I'm around to be able to speak into their life and help them. I don't let my kids just do whatever they want. Amen? Okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you can be in the ditch on either side. The Bible says to honor and obey. Honor is a matter of the heart. And obedience is, is a matter of, of uh, authority and doing what you're, you're told to do. You can obey without honoring. Amen? I want my children to know both. We have to honor. That's one thing that's lost in our society today is honoring. We don't honor people anymore. We don't honor our police officers. And yes, we have some bad ones, but we have many more good ones. 
We don't honor our principals, our teachers. You talk to teachers today in school, and their biggest problem isn't their students, it's the parents. Because, of course, nobody's kid does any wrong. It's always the teacher's fault. If my kids have a problem, it starts at their fault. And we may get to be in somebody else's fault. You see what I'm saying? It's teaching to honor and respect. I don't care what the teacher says or what they're doing or not doing. I mean, if they're doing something that would harm you, that's different. But just in the context of life, it doesn't matter. We're going to honor and we're going to respect. And, and the sad thing is, is that that even bleeds into the church. And our kids hear our conversation while we dishonor and we disrespect. And then we don't understand why they don't want to have anything to do with church. Amen. I didn't want to leave out widows and orphans. They're not up here, but we're responsible. And the Bible talks about true widows. Amen. You may be here and you may be a widow. You have a role. See what I'm saying? Everybody has a role. I know we're focusing on family, but I just wanted to recognize that. And then orphans, those that grew up and they didn't have a, they didn't have a father. And we're responsible as the church. We're responsible to touch them and to minister to them. And God may bring people into your life like that, that they, their natural parents, their natural mom, there may not be, but God's called you to be a spiritual part of their life and to teach them and help pour into them. We need to become more responsible for that in our lives as men and as women of God. But God has a picture for this family unit. Thank y'all for standing all this time. God has a picture for this family unit. He has a picture, and there's an image, there's a, a part, there's a picture for the husband, there's a picture for the father, there's a picture for the mother, there's a picture for the wife, and there's a picture for the children. But it's your responsibility to dig into the word as well and find out what that looks like. Amen, I'm just kind of scraping the surface here, and I've already kept you late. I know you're ready to go and hungry. I'm trying to let the ice thaw, so... We'll be here for days, huh? But I want you to see this this morning. I don't want anybody to feel. I'm not here to condemn you. What I want you to know is that what God brings and expects, God makes a way for. And that's where you live the blessed life. That's where you live in joy and peace. Not because nothing ever goes wrong. Y'all saw from the food video that they have a hard time figuring out where they're going to go eat. Or, you know, listen, I, I know this family. I know everything's not perfect in this family, but I know that God's the center of it. And I know that about many of you. Amen. But I want to challenge you this morning to say, okay, God, what, what is it? I want to know more about who I'm supposed to be and my role and my picture in this. And even if you're believing God, y'all can go ahead and sit back down. Even if you're believing God for a spouse that doesn't serve the Lord, you are still responsible to be the person that you're supposed to be. And that's scriptural. As a husband or a wife, doesn't matter. You're supposed to still be the person. When we do everything from the basis of love, the unconditional love of God, then we do it without expectation from the person we're doing it to. 
when I walk in love with you, whether you respond or not, I'm doing it and my expectation is of God. And when I walk in love with people, then I can't, I can't make that determination based on how they respond because then I, at times I won't walk in love. Well, that's the same thing in your marriage, the same thing with your kids, same thing in, in, in relationships, same thing in dating. I mean, you, we can take it all the way out to that. Amen. But when you let that be the foundation, then that's going to let God work. Amen. Bow your heads with me. I appreciate you being patient. And there's just so much to put out there. Father, I pray over each and every person this morning. And I pray, Lord, not for condemnation, not for any person to leave here full of just a sense of guilt or being oppressed. Or Father, I pray that, Father, your word brings light. It brings truth. It brings life. And Father, I pray that in areas of our lives, of our families, of our marriages, of our family units, of even maybe in the church, that Father, I pray that as you expose and you bring light, you bring wisdom, you bring godly principles, that Father, it would bring a liberty and a freedom into our lives to be able to do and be who we're called to be. Father, to be the godly men that we're called to be, godly women, husbands, fathers, mothers, wives, even over our children to be the godly children they're called to be. I pray, Father, for there to be a stirring that whatever's lacking, that we realize there's hope for that to change. There's hope for it to be different. There's hope. Father, to have your best in our lives. And Father, I pray that this morning. I declare a healing. I declare restoration. I declare that hope in people's lives this morning. In Jesus' name.